the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Hello and welcome to this Farm Advisory Service Livestock Podcast. This podcast is designed to give producers up-to-date information on all things relating to livestock. It's been funded jointly through the Farm Advisory Service Animal Welfare Programme and also the Veterinary Advisory Service. So a big thanks to Scottish Government for their support. Hello and welcome to this Farm Advisory Service Livestock Podcast. Today we're focusing on calving and I'm your host Robert Ramsey and I'm joined today by Tim Geraghty of SRUC Vets and Karen Stewart who's a ruminant nutritionist with SEC Consulting's Livestock Team. So hello to you both. Hi Robert. Hi Robert. Do you both want to just maybe introduce yourself a wee bit, a wee bit more fully? So Karen, what, what do you do and what, what's your role within SEC? Sure. My role at SEC is a, a ruminant nutritionist. So basically, I give um, backup to SEC offices and advice to farmers, um, particularly in suckler cow nutrition. So, Tim, on, on farms, we're running into lambing and calving time, busy times on farms. Uh, and I assume these are really busy times in the vet lab as well. Um, what, what types of things are you seeing at the moment? and what's, what's coming in? Is there any cause for concern out there? Uh, yeah, it is, it is a busy time, busy air time for the vet labs. We're, we're sort of into what we uh, refer to as abortion season, unfortunately. So, um, uh, yeah, pre, pre-lambing, pre-calving, that's uh, a, a big part of what will come through uh, now and, and over the next few weeks. Um, the, the common causes in terms of suckler cows that, w- that we see every year are, uh, you know, threats, threats from environmental challenge so spoiled spoiled silages water troughs dirty water troughs um poor quality straw bedding um these these kind of challenges are always the major ones there's there's a few in, infectious diseases that, w- that we'll see each year um thankfully now bvd a bit less common but we'll, we'll still see um <clears throat> occasional occasional abortions through neospora or salmonellosis and these things um and um We've made one diagnosis, at least up in Aberdeen, of, of Schmallenberg this year. Um, so that's a, a midgy-borne viral cause uh, of, of abortion, both in, in, in sheep and cattle. Uh, the, the case this year is in sheep, and, and we're still investigating. We're, we're, off, we're, we're hoping uh, that it might, it might just be a one-off or, or, a, or a sporadic case, as we do see occasionally. Um, but every four or five years in, in Scotland, we, we think we might see a few more Schmallenberg cases than we have in, in other years. So this, you know, we're we're just waiting to see if this could be a, a year where we'll see more uh, Schmallenberg cases. Um, so I guess the, the relevance for, for guys sitting now a, a few weeks out, I sincerely hope you don't see any of these problems uh, and, and, and most of us won't, which is great. But but if we do, you know, just an, an early heads up, the best thing you can possibly do is, is investigate. And, and it can feel like good money after bad if we've had a loss to then go and spend money uh, on a on a lab investigation, but what we're what we're really doing is saying, you know what, I'm going to invest in 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 next year here. I'm going to invest in my system, learn where I'm why why I've lost that calf, um, and uh, and be able to do something active about it for the for the following year. Certainly for the, for the vast majority of, of of what causes abortion, we, we would be able to uh, uh, to determine that. So yeah, but busy busy time and 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 lots to think about. 
Yeah. Bit busy, but not too busy to take on more work. So you're you're keen to see if there's farmers out there with issues you want to see them as soon as you can. Oh, definitely. We, we like our our thing would be that we we would be we're, we're more worried if we're not busy at this at this time. You know, when when we don't want anyone to have problems, but but when 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 there are problems, we want to be there to help uh, and we want to be utilised. Absolutely. Excellent. Thanks both. And I'm sure for many of our listeners, it will be, um, you, you know, there'll be well-known voices anyway that Tim and Karen have both been a big help to the podcast over the, the year or so that it's been running. So it's great to have you back on. Um, Karen, it just, so we're end of February at the moment. What what are you seeing with regards to, you know, cow condition? Just obviously for many people, just, just pre-calving, what, what's your view on cow condition across across the country? Do you know, I think it's really varied, actually, depending on what folk have done with cows. I mean, a lot of people say to me, oh, cows have been fit, you know, it's been a kind winter and things. But also there's um, cows that have maybe been kept out longer and calves kept on them longer, um, which have, have meant, you know, the cow, some cows have lost condition uh, more than normal. So I think there's a, a really big range out there. I think, you know, it's just important that, that people can, you know, keep an eye on condition and... Um, you know, know what's right for, for their herd at this late stage. Yeah, Tim, have you got anything you want to add on cow condition at this stage? No, I think I think it's it's something we we probably struggle to get a handle on that directly, just you know because of our role uh, from the lab facing. So it, I don't I don't feel that well connected to it. But um, the importance of it, we you know we we really massively understand. And any time we look towards fertility, and it's funny to cast our minds forwards to fertility this summer um when we come back to cow condition at calving time it always correlates so really um the 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 condition that we bring these cows through into late pregnancy and early lactation has a huge impact on on fertility um so yeah just would agree with karen fundamentally important at this time of year and and we need to have a handle on it uh, locally when it comes to calving tim if we've got you know cows in good conditions obviously a a fit but not fat would be the target if we're there you know how is there a risk that we get complacent with body cow body condition score cows looking well you know do you worry that people get a bit complacent at this stage um i think yeah i think i think i suppose there's a risk of that and i guess what's happening from the cow's point of view is it's just moving into a very high risk uh, high risk period we, we know energy demands are increasing now um, and you know changes in her metabolic system are start are starting now she's moving into creating colostrum uh, which is obviously vitally important uh, the energy demand of the fetus is increasing and and she needs to get herself in a, in a in a situation where she's where she's ready to calve hopefully and and always our target is 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 calve unassisted in in a month or so's time so I don't think we are being complacent, but we do have to be mindful that we're we're shifting into a, a, a higher risk uh, period for the cows. Yeah, and and for some people, you know, there there are a lot of fit cows out there. There was a, an exceptionally good summer, and in many cases, an exceptionally exceptionally good autumn. That there was a lot of very fit cows. At what point in that journey through their pregnancy? At what point do we? Do we stop reducing or trying to reduce condition and accept that she's going to be fat, but she's got a big energy demand on her? Well, I, th- I think we're there now. I think Karen, sorry, Karen, you should probably come in on that. But I, th- I think we're at that point now. We definitely, we definitely, you know, we we t- we talked, you know, pre Christmas really about 
maybe trying to sort out over-conditioned cows then and, and, and in that nice midpoint in gestation, you're, you're reasonably safe. But we're well past that point now. We're, in, we're into the last month, the last six weeks. It's, it's not a good idea to try and strip condition off, uh, in my view, at this point. But maybe, yeah, Karen, you, you would have... Yeah, 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 I agree, Tim. If the thing is, if you've got some really fat cows and they're, you know, you've got a twelve-week calving period, you still probably want to to have a go at losing a little bit of weight off some of these ones because they will just keep getting fitter. So I think I think it's safe enough if they're really fit to to lose a little bit of weight. You know, maximum half a kilo a day. But again, you're not wanting to compromise colostrum quality or, um, you know, their uh, you know ability to calve down easily. But if if there's fitter later calvers I mean they, if they can be you know put in a different area or something that might um be an idea to try and get a wee bit of condition off them but there's very little you can do at this this later point as, as you said if they're if they're imminent to be calving you know in the next month or so yeah i think just to add on that one as well but the one thing we can do is look to so the question is why you know why have we got to the point where a proportion of the herd is significantly fitter than they should be and and to me there's a, a bit that the system's fallen down a wee bit you know most most people would would view the the fat store laid in the, laid down in the cow as an opportunity for the winter and, and something that we can utilize through the winter to reduce reduce the cost you know with a a in a still you know with a focus on welfare we can still utilize that body condition um and it's probably one if, if, we, if you're consistently getting really fit cows at calving time it's probably worth taking a step back and have a, having a look at the system as a whole to see what, you know, ask yourself why why is this happening? What what's gone wrong that this is? You know, it's it's a, it's a positive, but it's a um, it's a cost to the system as well. So some something worth looking at anyway. Um, could, could I come in there, Robert? Just um, I, I, I guess you know I think you're right about you know the back end was so good and and, and probably we are looking in a, in a situation where on average we're carrying a bit more condition. You know, across the whole industry, um, I could buy into that. But th- th- there's there's really nice research and and a, and a few different con- uh, studies have come through now. You know, if if we look to the other end of the spectrum, the, the cows that are a bit under condition, kind of coming up to calving, and certainly recent work uh, on both stillbirth and need for intervention around the calving time and then uh, subsequent health of the calf, it's those under conditioned cows that are, that are coming out as problematic. Um, and so I guess just just to keep the balance that we we can't just be looking at the, the over conditioned as an issue. You know we don't want them massively over conditioned, um, but keep an eye on that other side of the spectrum as well. Because as I say, that recent work is is really highlighting the risk that they're that they're going into. Yeah, that's a really good point. And and Karen, on that one as well, if we've got cows that are leaner than you would like at the moment, what what are the options? So we've got. Um, again, say we're a month to six weeks off calving. Are we okay to fling a bit of feeding at them, or is there is there a risk of growing that calf too big? Oh, it's always a big question, isn't it? Yeah, the farmers they always perceive that you're going to grow that calf too too big as well. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a risk there if you're going to pump in concentrates and it's too late. Um, I would advise if cows are lean, you know, you still want them to be gaining condition because once they have calved, they're really going to be, you know, struggling to produce milk and and keep that calf going if they're too lean. So I think if the you know, if you can give them the best quality forage that you possibly can, ad lib, if the cows are too lean, that's possibly the best thing to do pre-calving. Um, if that's not possible, um, there is certainly no harm in giving a kilo or two of um, cereals or, um, it, it, you know, a, a proprietary feed 
as long as you're you know meeting their protein requirements and uh, keeping that energy up as well i think it's maybe um gets a bit troublesome if you've got really poor quality forage and then you have to try and balance that so i think if if you are in that situation really seek advice from a nutritionist to um you know try and try and get that balance without overloading in the concentrates um one thing i have seen a bit of is is um silage that's been made you know the efa silage off of endrigs and things later on in the summer can be particularly poor and you know few farmers have have come you know had problems with this being too poor and cows losing a wee bit too much condition on that so just the same same sort of story at you know making sure you know your silage quality and um and your forage quality and feed the best that you can to these these thinner girls yeah and it also i suppose it goes to tim's point earlier which was you know that getting this calf out alive and well is a priority but an equal priority is getting the cow back in calf as well so um yeah. that condition if we can improve it you know it's an investment if we can um tim there's a thing a lot of people have, are growing in popularity i think at the moment is the the role of metabolic profiles and in, in kind of pre-calving management of cows um do you have much experience of that or do you want to say say much about metabolic profiles yeah yeah uh, delighted to I, th- I think it's something that's come th- through the dairy system or at least my my experience of it uh, was was uh, initially in, in dairy in dairy systems where as folk will know that the, what they call the transition period as they move into late late dry stage and early lactation it is such a high risk moment uh, for that animal and, and under huge huge metabolic changes uh, and and uh, when things go wrong in that transition period um, they, t- they tend to have a, a really significant negative effect through lactation uh, and so they developed a range of essentially lab tests just you know blood tests to to essentially ask a, a late pregnant dry cow are we feeding you correctly at this point in time and then an early lactation an early lactation cow are, are we still feeding you correctly you know five six weeks later as she goes into peak lactation um, and the experience I would say from the dairy side was this was an, an extremely effective thing to do because if you imagine when you're when you're trying to assess a ration on farm as, as Karen knows better than anybody the, the amount of variables there are immense you know from silage quality variation in silage quality as you make your way through the pit um, variations in how that feed's been put together on a day, day by day basis dry matter intake in the pen at that particular time there's all this variation that's really quite hard to account for um, on a paper-based ration and what the blood test does is cut straight through all of that and just in a way asks the cow how are you? How are you getting on on this ration? You know, as it's been as it's been consumed. Um, so a very powerful tool it, um, creates these positive feedback loops where you say, "Oh, I've not quite got the energy balance right. I've not quite got the protein right or mineral uh, right." And and you can tweak the ration in real time within a time scale that allows you to prevent problems down the line. Um, so I think then we've we've taken that and applied it now into suppler systems of course the metabolic swings not nearly as severe but they are still entering this uh, you know it's, it's by far the, the greatest metabolic swing they'll make over their their productive year um, and the the trial work that's been done is, is really encouraging that again we can ask very similar questions straight to the cow how's your energy status how's your protein status where are the minerals at uh, and and, and we get an answer with, within a time scale where an intervention could be made if it's needed. And when it's not needed, it's a it's a fantastic reassurance. Um, I think there's a lot of people, you know, two, three, four weeks away from calving, 
we're not nervous, but you know, you know what I mean. We're just we just know that the success of this season's calf crop is entering a really pivotal moment, you know, and 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 getting that level of reassurance that yep, the rations where it should be two, three, four weeks out, I think I think's a fantastic tool. Yeah, we we actually just recorded a the latest a farm advisory service TV program or, or episode includes a section on taking metabolic profiles, how to do it, and and a you know a bit of chat with a vet there too. So just to highlight that one as a, a worth watching for somebody who's who's considering metabolic profiles. Karen, you did your a KTIF project about metabolic profiles in the in the northeast. Um, do you want to run through roughly the findings yeah. from that and? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we we looked at twelve farms uh, pre calving and post calving, um, and uh, it was yeah we had we had some interesting results. I think all the farmers got something out of it, but it it was just to see where you know cows were pre calving and post calving, and we did find that minerals weren't particularly an issue um, on the majority of farms. Energy and protein seemed to be more of an issue, and obviously this is just twelve farms in our area, but. um, the uh, what we did find was there was a lot of environmental factors and obviously um, ration factors too. So like one of the farms had kind of poor trough design. So a lot of the the feed that was given to the cow was correct on paper, but then there was a lot of it getting chucked out by the cow in the trough. Um, so she wasn't getting her full allocation for the day. So an environmental issue was highlighted from low energies in the. Uh, in, in those cows and in their blood um, other ones were you know perhaps low in protein where the, the silage just hadn't been quite as good as they thought and there was a couple of the farms actually had um, low blood albumin levels which actually indicated a fluke issue um, and both of these farms had actually previously been fluke so there was lots to get out of you know the, the, the information that was provided um, also um, you know there were some farms who didn't have any problems and they were delighted as well because they got peace of mind that what they were doing was correct and it was working and the cows were happy um, on their diet. What I would say was if people are considering doing metabolic profiling is to give as much information to the vet or your nutritionist as possible. So for interpretation purposes, so when you get the results back, um, you know, you can marry up what's, you know, the, the size of the cow and the ration they're on and making sure all that's correct um, on the paper side and what they're actually feeding and what's in front of them and with the metabolic profiles. And I think working together as a team on your farm with, you know, your your vet and nutrition advisor and, um, you know, your stockman and, you know, that's when, when things really work together well and, and everything comes together so yeah i would very much be a fan of metabolic profiling just to check what the cows are, are thinking of their diet yep i think even just to highlight that the point you made about you know the, the weight of the cow and that's that's something that more and more people are getting a handle on because they've got weight crates and they've invested in technology but it's really striking when when you speak to someone who who hasn't weighed cows everybody thinks their cows are 650 kilos and really when you see a 650 kilo cow she's she's not big and and the majority are significantly heavier than that and when when you de- when you've made that assumption that they're lighter done a ration based on the light cow it's little wonder that we're short at this end of the year as well so it's uh, as you see you know it's data in data out if we put good stuff in we'll get good stuff out um and and certainly at this stage it's when you're having that conversation with vet or, or nutritionist it's got to be a really honest conversation of what's actually happening eh, with as much data as you can as you can give it's um, a great bit so, of peace of mind as well so yep yeah definitely definitely and so karen if we've done 
we've done a metabolic profile and it's come back, say it's low in protein or low in energy or, or say it's low in both actually, what at the moment, obviously things are expensive, what what are the options for, I know the, the, the answer to this is to do a ration, <laughs> but um, <laughs> what, what are the options available for people at, at the moment? Um, oh gosh, it's really, an, it's an it's an expensive market. Yeah, I think just I think my only advice really is to keep in touch with suppliers and see what's available. Likes of if you know if you're short of protein and energy, you know for for after calving time, um, you know draft or things like that is you know a great uh, feed. But you know it's whether you can get these um, products in your area at the moment. Um, I think yeah, I mean all streets are, are dear, so um, I think just making the most of the forage that you have so you know making sure you know it's quality and balancing that rather than kind of guessing or doing what you did last year really looking at what what you need so you're not you know buying something unnecessarily um would be my my sort of advice really i couldn't really sort of say what products are good value or not at the moment everything's quite expensive but just keeping in touch with suppliers and and knowing what you've got at home and balancing that appropriately um so just seeking advice really um would be my advice I think for a lot of cases, you know, hopefully this year, and it needs to be guided by science, but there's a lot of good silages out there and, and hopefully a lot of things can be remedied just by giving them a bit more or, or prioritising your yeah, best silage yeah. to that priority group. Um, but yeah, as you say, it's, it's about having the conversation. Yeah, or we look we look for a fix out, a, you know, a, a bag or something like, you know, some, you know, do... I mean, some people do feed soya pre-calving and get on well with that but you know if you've got good enough forages and, and things at home you know balancing that correctly you, you shouldn't need that prior to calving so mm-hmm. um yeah just knowing what you've got at home i think and balancing that yeah. we saw a lot of soya used in Ayrshire in i think it was 2012 it would be the spring of 2013 which was a real yeah. challenge and real difficult time and it was a it was a lifesaver you know it was a for yeah. really really poor silages and really lean cows the yes. soya story was yeah. a real a real positive but i think some have latched on to it as a as a solution yeah. to all of life's problems and and certainly you know there's on partly the cost but there's also the sustainability argument and things as well that soya is there and it's it's certainly an option but it's probably not something just to be lashing into suckler cows just for the sake yeah. of it. I mean, if you if you're on a straw and, uh, and silage diet, and you've you know then put soya, and if you've you know if you maybe just take some of that straw out and increase the silage, it, it may have the same effect on the metabolizable protein in the ration. You know, so it's just about balancing it um, with, with a little bit of knowledge on on what you have already. Um, and you know, in some cases maybe you do need it. In some cases, it's an argument for thin cows or heifers. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think it's something to be carefully thought about. And there's there's alternatives to it as well, like cold press rapeseed meals and these sort of things that are home produced in Scotland that could be a good alternative as well if it's required. Yeah, excellent. So, Tim, we've um, mentioned colostrum once earlier, earlier on uh, in this podcast, but I think it's certainly something that's important enough to give it a, a bit more time and certainly there's an awful lot there's a lot of stuff on a on the website and, and various other places on colostrum but can we overstate the value of colostrum to a, a baby calf it, not in my book you can't know i think um you know the the, the colostrum is gold campaign was spot on we've, we've seen multiple you know several of those of those campaigns through and uh, and and we just need to keep uh, keep our eye on that message it it it, it makes such an impact 
uh, in the immediate survival of, of the young calf, it makes an impact in the, you know, that tricky sort of week. We, we know that the risk of, of, of losing the calf does drop off after 40 hours. It drops off again after seven days. It drops off again after 30 days. Um, and colostrum, each time we look at the, the risk of mortality at these stages, colostrum just keeps coming through. Uh, and then even when we go to growth rate and Amazingly enough, you know, survival of animals through into a finishing unit, you know, sold off as a store calf and finished off site. We're still seeing an impact of colostrum on, on survival and finishing units. Um, so if, if we think about, you know, right right through to the, to the finished animal, uh, you can still measure the impact that um, not getting enough colostrum can have. So no, we, I mean, how, we we just we just simply can't overstate, overstate the importance. Um, so yeah, I I think everyone should uh, at this point, you know, pre calving, let's just have a think through how are we going to in, in, uh, ensure adequate colostrum uptake. Um, uh, you know, and, and that that differs on every farm and and every unit's got 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 its own approach. But having think that through uh, in a, in advance of calving uh, as as best as you as as you possibly can yeah and i think that was put really well there that colostrum you know if there's one thing we can control you know calving is a a, a challenging time um, a very intensive time but colostrum management if we can get quality colostrum into calves we sh- we will be weaning more and better calves at the end of the year which has a big impact on animal welfare in the first instance, carbon footprint, and also you on your pocket as well. In, in the end, that um, you know, I think that's yeah. the one one area we've that's really it. got some and control it, over. Yeah, it, it makes when it's done right, it makes everything else easier. It takes pressure off, you know, and I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to give any wrong impression, but it takes pressure off major weather swings. Uh, it takes pressure off. You know, even hygiene conditions to some extent. We we all, of course want to work in perfectly well bedded sheds with tons of clean straw around, but that just isn't always the reality as we as we move through the calving system. It takes pressure off so many other points of your system um, when the colostrum is right, uh, and I guess that's the other way to think of it. It just makes other elements which can be difficult easier um, easier for us and, and still get that calve through. And from what you're saying, Tim, as well, if it takes, if it makes it easier for the next person, so if you're a store store producer and you're selling them to the finisher, if you make it easier for them, they're much more likely to come back and buy your cattle because they went on to do as well. And I think that's the the connection we're needing to make a bit better is between um, or among all the people in the supply chain. You know that getting the calf off to the best start, everyone wins along the chain. That's right, absolutely. And and it's funny to think, isn't it? Because you know the the window for colostrum is. You know, it's it's four hours at max. Really, it's it's such a short window of time, which is br- brutally difficult in a in a seasonal system when when labour can be tight and hours are you know everyone's exhausted, um, and you've got this ridiculously short window to get such a key thing right. And but that you know that's planning. We can't we can't we probably can't set to get absolutely everyone perfect. But if nine out of your ten calves in a pen are up to their eyeballs and colostrum, then the one that's slightly under, he's going to get carried through by the others because we don't get the same infectious pressure built up. Um, so, so yeah, we just have to um, uh, acknowledge the fact we might not get them all, but if, if we're getting 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, with really high high quality colostrum within that golden period, um, yeah, the, the, the one or two will get carried and, the, and, and, and all the other pressure points in the system are a bit easier. 
Yeah, and so the the golden period is four to six hours. Yeah, yeah, the guts closing. The, the clock's ticking really just you know as soon as it's born, and and there's no there's no there's never any good reason to delay getting colostrum in. Um, the the ideal and, and again there's brilliant work come out of Edinburgh uh, vet school just recently and, and we've we've talked about it previously but the ideal is a is a is a calf born unassisted that stands up and sucks uh, on on its own now of course I think everyone's going to say yeah absolutely that's the ideal that's the ideal for everybody isn't it that's but we any time we look at colostrum those calves always have the highest level of colostrum anything we do in terms of intervention even if it's to give colostrum, it increases the risk of colostral failure. So if we assist the calving, even an easy assist, uh, if we have to assist the calf to suck, if, if we have to then go and tube the calf, and, e- and, and even again, if we have to give artificial, you know, e- each time we, we, we intervene more, the probability of it getting enough colostrum goes down and down and down. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's a tight window. The, the gut wall is closing uh, and yeah, we just we just have to acknowledge that as as, as the facts of it and, and and work to that time scale. So, with that in mind, if the science is there to prove it, if we've had a significant intervention, so you know a, a decent pull with a jack or, or a problem, should we tube the calf? Uh, yeah, I th- I think fundamentally that's that's the, the 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 sort of considered point that most of the people that get the opportunity to really look at you know good sized data sets they all they, they, they seem to be coming around to that point absolutely we should be inter when we do need to intervene we should intervene as early as possible with an adequate volume uh, and as quickly as quickly as possible uh, and, and and tubing the calf it's done you can get to bed you know as long as you're competent to do the tubing and speak to your vet about that if you're not sure about how to tube a cab safely uh, then you know there's there's no silly questions make sure we have that you know when when your vet's out doing the metabolic profile let's have that conversation there and then um there's there's no you know who, who shows you how to you know I, I got shown at vet school so that's lucky me but you know most farmers haven't been through that so um if you're not sure how to do it safely then ask for advice um and then yeah if, if we're in intervening it's by far the best. It's by far the, the least risk thing you can do for the calf is to tube it early. And I know some people do highlight, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's a procedure. It's something that they don't necessarily want to do. It appears to be detrimental to the calf, but it couldn't be more positive. You know, it, it's the one thing you can do to make sure you don't have to do anything else to that calf. You know, from a welfare perspective. D- definitely, learn how to do it safely. Because, because you know, particularly with a calf, which is um, if if there's been a difficult calving, there can be a degree of you know they're they're a little dull, they're not as responsive as as an otherwise healthy calf should be at that stage, um, and all these things just increase the risk a little bit of you know putting the, the essentially the tube down in, into the wrong place. And but but there's some there's some really straightforward um, practical tips, and it's much better just to be shown by someone you trust. And, and I, would, I would suggest you're right in the first instance uh, how to do it safely. But once you're confident, you know exactly how to do that procedure safely. As you say, Robert, it's massively in the calves' interest uh, to to uh, to be stomach tubed if there has been an intervention. What we don't need for those calves that are calved unassisted get to their feet quickly and go in for a souk. Don't touch them because they are perfect. They'll they'll have the best colostrum uh, of of any other. And we could talk about types of colostrum all day long, but is the summary mum, mum's colostrum is the best? Yeah, yeah, and and the the, the 
the, the powdered stuff that there's a there's a range across the market and and unfortunately the expensive ones are genuinely better and, and I could only encourage everybody to spend a little bit more you know go go to the top end of the price range and you'll be getting the top end of the of what's available um they're useful they're they're essential uh, you know from our own health and safety point of view if, if you've got a cow who is not amenable and, and your facilities aren't there to to let you handle her safely don't take risks uh, with your own health um so so they've definitely got a place um but but when you compare how much antibody that calf's going to get even from a very expensive powder product it's it's not even close to what it would get if it was getting its mum's own um so be aware of they've got their place but they are extremely limited versus mum's own um and and if we can get that down to just using it when we absolutely have to and keep that to a minimum um you know use it when you need it but but try and make sure that that's as 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 as, as little as possible is is probably a good uh, a good way to go so the ideal cow Tim calves herself, calf gets up, sucks, no dramas at all, but there, there's definitely going to be a need. You know, there's going to be something in, in most people's calvings, there's going to be a need for intervention somewhere. Um, do you think, do we do we intervene too much? Do you think, is there is there an element of a overcomplicating systems and intervening too early and causing more problems? Um, I think some of us, some of us are, do that. <laughs> some of us are guilty of that. I would, I would suggest, um, and it's for good reason. I think it's it's always well intentioned, um, and and we we tend to, you know, we're we're really conscious. You know, things about being like being born in a bag. We've had that shocking experience when you go out and you feel as though if you had just been there slightly earlier, you would have a live calf, and and it's a lousy feeling and it sticks in the mind. And it's very difficult to then sit back and watch the next cow calve if she's taking her time about it. Um, and, and then we just get into this this cycle of where we, we're intervening more and more. Um, so, yes, I think that can that can happen. Uh, and it needs to be you need to you need to almost you need positive intention to get yourself out of that. You, you need to really be quite disciplined with yourself and think through, OK, um, I, I would prefer not to be doing that because I know that I'm going to get a healthier calf. We've just, uh, we, you know, we're likely uh, to get a calf that will have better colostrum uptake. Um, we're likely to have a better fertility outcome in the cow if we can allow these cows to calve themselves. Um, so it's a very tricky balance. Um, and, and I guess something that could be done now is let's just review what is our you know, with larger farms where there's lots of staff around, maybe you do have a written policy on intervention, but probably the majority of us don't. We probably just play it by ear and, and, and make a, a gut decision uh, at the time. But why not just stop now and spend an hour and think, right, when should, when's the ideal time to go in and intervene? If I'm going to intervene, what's the best possible way to do that? Um, when should I be calling my vet? You know, a lot of vets feel that they get called one or two or three hours too late you know that there's been already a, an attempt to uh, to calve the cow there's there's no longer a good option available in terms of a you know live calf live cow option available by the time the vet gets there and, and all the vet costs are the same you know you've still got the call out charge and the time and um so so when are we going to call the vet so yeah i, I think a, a quick review now of um, saying to myself, right, I, I don't want to fall into this trap of intervening all the time and too early because I know that has negative consequences. Um, but I need some kind of 
method available to me that says, right, that's when I'm going to do it, and that would be well balanced. And what what I would recommend is that uh, my colleague Alwyn and, and others across SRUC put an awful lot of work into trying to build that sort of protocol. And they've got this uh, a wonderful resource, you know, a, a, a one-page poster you can stick up somewhere close to cattle or in the farm office or in the kitchen or wherever that just gives you these sorts of rules about when do I intervene, how do I intervene, when should I be calling the vet, etc. And yeah, I think it would take you 20 minutes to read that, 15, 20 minutes to read it over. And that could be a really valuable uh, uh, time spent, you know, just, just prior to calving now. Uh, I know they're still available. We've still got a print run. Uh, we had a, a good print run last year. I know there's some still available. So if you've not seen that and you'd be interested, you can you can inquire at your local uh, SEC consulting office and they'll be able to get a copy out to you. Yeah, and I think just to reiterate that, the that resource, I've spoken to uh, new entrant farmers right through to vets with 25 plus years experience and everyone's gained something from it. It's a, a lovely flow diagram of, you know, decision making tree. And just I think in yeah. the in the heat of battle, you know, when it's going, when something appears to not be going well, it's a really good, so this is happening, let's do this kind of allows you to draw breath, double check it and, and give you no one nobody should need the confidence to phone the vet. The vet wants to speak to you, but it just gives you the, the confirmation that, that now's the time to phone the vet. Or actually we could maybe try it a slightly different way. So I think Alwyn's done a, a tremendous job on that. And I think the other people, Tim, that are due a shout out are a uh, you, Karen and Alwyn for, for calf crop last year and the year before as well. And um we should highlight that the calf crop videos are actually available on on youtube as well so there's a bit of a almost a calving course um of a one hour videos uh, which basically go through the production cycle with a focus on calving as well so they're uh, well worth a look for those that have got time or just want to to double check something as well and just briefly as well tim on again assuming we're that few weeks off calving is now When's the right time to start washing and, and trying to get things as clean as we can? How, how, at what stage do we need to worry more about keeping cattle clean in courts and, and really stepping up to the plate with regards to hygiene? It very variable. It'll depend what you know. Depends what your stocking density has been through. You know, up until now, it'll depend what quality of straw you've got for you know for straw bedded courts and whatnot. I think to, the 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 immediate risk today. Um, is is really through spoiled feed, you know, takeouts not being being cleared away enough, or or some of the spoiled stuff around the edges, of the silage pit going through the going through the wagon and getting in front of cattle, um, water troughs not being clean. Um, that's where we see, you know, the the most common causes of abortion in cattle, <clears throat> including in this late stage, come through those kind of sources. So when we think about pet, you know, cow hygiene now, I would be looking at. The, those kind of things are the water troughs clean is, is the feed face nice and tidy and kept tidy uh, and are we being careful about what you know the, the spoiled elements of silage going in um so really focus on them the the the, the, the calving itself it, it, it just comes down to an individual if if you can do if you can move cattle safely with low stress to allow you to do a full a full muck out clean and disinfect and, and start with a fresh bed, then yes, any any time now is good, um, because we're just bringing ca- you know young calves into a cleaner a cleaner environment, um, but but really effective deep straw bed in well ventilated sheds where there's lots of fresh air coming in, but without you know without you know stressful drafts, um, then you know it it's, it becomes less important. So it's 
it's really varies farm by farm. I wouldn't have a, a, a one size fits all at all. Um, and but if if you can do a clean out, then great, go for it. So I think another area we we maybe a uh, need to discuss today is the the role of again at calving time. There's a lot happening. But there's an awful lot of data floating about. There's an awful lot of records and, and, and important information that we can get hold of. So, Tim, have you any ideas of how we how we do that? What should we be recording and, and how should we go about doing that? Yeah, I, I, I think um, I, I, I said in my intro that, uh, you know, health planning was one of the things I did. And, and health planning, I think a lot of us think towards record keeping and record reviewing these things. And to be honest, if, if, if you're... A lot of guys, especially if you're into you know apps now, you can capture things on your phone apps. If if you've got EID stick readers and you can, um, um, and 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 you can quickly rec- you know record things in, on a on a farm management software, you're probably well ahead of, the, of of what you need to do and 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 just stick doing what you've done previously. But I guess I would speak to the guys that are really not not into these things and find it a hassle and and they're 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 not seeing the benefit or, or feeling the benefit of, of, of doing particular record keeping, we can strip it back and still get some really, really useful uh, outcomes uh, by doing a much more basic thing. And and what I would encourage folk to do, the first thing is just write down now, and, and it might sound a silly thing, cause, but, but in three, four or five months' time, we may not remember these things. Write down now how many pregnant cows we've got just the single number on a piece of paper in the farm office somewhere, write down how many pregnant cows you've got. And if they've been scanned for twins, write down how many twins there are. If they've not been scanned for twins, don't worry about it. Just add on two or three extra because you'll, you know, you'll be running, you'll be running at two or 3% twins is the sort of not average roughly. Um, and say, right, how many therefore, if I've got 96 pregnant cows and a couple of twins, I've probably got 98, 99 live calves, you know, live fetuses today. And that's your start point. And then just ask yourself the question, how many of them will still be alive at 30, 30 days of age? We don't even need to go forward to weaning. Let's just really zoom in on the, on the next window and, and ask yourself, how many of them uh, can, I, can I get through alive? And, you know, set your own target and, and you'll have a feel from previous years as to what would be good for you. And, and you know, obviously we would want them all out. Ideally, uh, that would be extremely ambitious. But what, what's achievable? And stick down a target. Just play a game with yourself and stick down a target. What you're then going to use that target for is is two further things. One is what can I do today in order to to hit that target? And and we've covered a lot of that just over the last chat. We've talked about these other resources that are, that are available. But there's lots of actions we could be doing now, even if it's getting Alwyn's poster and having a read at it for half an hour. That's that's a that's time well spent to help you get uh, closer to your target. So ask yourself that question. And then the second thing is, if I don't win the calf. I really want to know why not, and and that's kind of what record. I know to, I want to know when did it die. So a, a tally mark for abortion, a da- tally mark for born dead, a tally mark for dying in the first week. That would do. That would be give that to your vet. There's a there's a real worthwhile conversation to be had after after calving time just to dissect out what what might have gone wrong. Um, so keep it really simple. Just tally mark losses under a few different categories, abortion, stillbirth, first week, um, so that we know where calves are, you know, uh, coming out of the system and uh, and when. And then for the for the, for the the gold star, it would be investigate some of those losses, that at least some of those losses would come into the lab for a post-mortem if, if you're close by or have your vet out for a full investigation uh, to do the on-farm post-mortem if, if not. 
Um, so yeah, in ter- I would keep record keeping as simple as that. Um, you know, for the for the calving period, uh, that would be a great start. Yeah, brilliant. Simple inform- information recorded simply can be worth a fortune. Karen, what about so feed? Now feed has become it's always been an, an expensive thing to to feed a suckler cow or to to get a, a, a calf on the ground, but feed is getting increasingly expensive. And do you think there's a role for record keeping? Should we be monitoring feed stocks and and how much we've got, particularly with a view that making silage next year is going to be very expensive, and and perhaps we can carry a wee bit more through than we normally do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's no question about it with the fertiliser prices and everything, things are going to be um, dearer to produce next year. So I think if you are short of silage or you think you're going to be short or um, you have any concerns about that, plan that now because, you know, there's there's things we can do with rations just to check, you know, um, whether you're, you're feeding enough or you know, how, how much you're going to have through. So very simply, within half an hour, we could have a good idea of, you know, a, a count up of your forage that you have on farm and a quick ration and you, you can see whether you're going to have enough to see you through or not. And if you don't, then planning um, what to do if you haven't, rather than kind of just hoping for the best and then making big ration changes, perhaps when cows are, you know, in early lactation, when you're really needing them to be at their, their best nutritionally. So, yeah, I think there's... there's uh, do some forage budgets. I know they hate the word budget, but um, it really doesn't have to be difficult or or complicated. Um, and uh, and do a bit of planning. And I think the same for next winter as well. Think about you know Tim was talking about health planning, um, but I think as well you know just keeping it fresh in your mind after calving time. What went right? What went wrong with cow condition, uh, forage stocks, and and things like that. Um, for planning your next winter's feeding regime, and you know possibly buying feeds earlier in the winter might help too so yeah brilliant um really worthwhile advice and i i think in this kind of new world of expensive feed expensive expensive everything that the role of that nutritionist the role of somebody trusted close to your business that can provide advice again with good information from you uh, is you know it's never going to be more important i don't think can I just add to that as well? Sorry, Robert. I yeah, just, of course. I uh, to add that you know, there's, um, you know, I think I've seen as well with people think, you know, proteins have got dearer as the winter's gone or if you've not been on contracts or, you know, barley's gone up in price, um, maybe just cutting back on these things a little. And I, I wouldn't do that unless you think, you know, you, you can't, you know, you've sought advice because you, you'll end up, um, you know, um, compromising productivity. And again, you know, that fertility of the cow, um, this coming year as well so you know really seek advice before you do cut back on things because it's expensive because it will be false economy um you know if it's not not balanced correctly would you would you include fertilizer in that karen with you know with the importance of obviously maybe say we've got a late april turnout and a june bulling is is cutting back and scrimping on fertilizer is that a concern for you from a fertility perspective Yes, I, I would say so. Yes, I think it's it's also false economy. But I think, I think um, you know, certainly reviewing your fertilizer policies, as, as in you know what what other nutrients are in the ground in your soil, you know what the status of it is already, with um, you know an agronomist or um, an advisor, um, is worthwhile as well to just make sure you are utilizing that fertilizer as much as as possible. But don't scrimp on it um but use it wisely <laughs> would be the, mm-hmm. the advice i think yeah i think we've got 
we've got lots of options this year, but the one the one option that worries me the most is that we just don't spread anything and assume it'll all go okay. You know, I think yeah. that take time, take stock, and, and and make sure that we're going to get a we're going to fill the pit and we're going to have enough forage for the winter, and 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 b probably actually more importantly is is getting these ladies actually back in calf and, and productive for the following year. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about calving intervention and colostrum and, and all the things that we should be doing to, to help cows and, and I think it would be wrong not to point out the importance of health and safety and just taking stock, just stepping back before you do something, make sure you can do it safely. If it can't be done safely, it's not worth doing. Um, so particularly, you know, the, the, the best thing you can do for a cow that's not safe at calving time is make sure she's not there next calving time as well. So, um, Definitely, if if you take anything away from this podcast today, I think it's it's just that uh, take a step back, draw breath, have a think. Don't bring in and hope it's all going to be okay. Um, there's too many people have uh, there's too many statistics. We've got a terrible record for health and safety, uh, and you know, it's de- taking a step back and having a think might just be the thing that saves your life. So do take your time, and I I, I really hope uh, this podcast has been useful, and I hope uh, that we all go ahead and have a really successful calving period uh, and uh, you know a real prosperous year going forward so with that I'd just like to thank both Tim and Karen for today it's been really useful I've thoroughly enjoyed it uh, and certainly for any more information on on any of this stuff there's a uh, loads of nights worth of reading uh, on the farm advisory service website so um, do feel free to indulge in that so thank you very much